Good evening. Good evening. Welcome to you regular folks. And by regular, I don't mean normal or abnormal, but you know, you you who are here all the time. Uh, welcome to you new folks and welcome to you repeat new folks. We are uh, honored to be with you all tonight. Welcome to Newark United Pentecostal Church's digital campus. Uh, if you'd like to get to know more about us, I know you guys are going, here they go again, right? Go to newarkupc.info. And you can find pretty much everything you need about us there. If you can't find it there, give us a call. Uh, we like to talk to people. We like to share. So it's okay if you want to uh, reach out for more information, need to be an email or a phone call. But let that be your go-to place. Everything you need pretty much is there. Well, this is um, we're reaching the, 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 the end of our series. We have another one on Saturday. Uh, the series that we've been uh, presenting this week, um, and we've been talking about the fact that salvation is a process. Now that might go against some of your theology, but if you actually skip, stick to the scriptures, you'll find that it is a process. And I love the way Sister Regina put it, that salvation is not an event, but a process. And uh, if we're real with ourselves, those of us who consider ourselves saved, uh, to put it that way, uh, we, we know that it's a process. Uh, last night, uh, Pastor Steve uh, used the same text that I'm going to use tonight. He used much more. Uh, text, but my text is right smack dab in the middle of it. But he used that text um, to dig into the details about what caused this rift between uh, Paul and Barnabas. And it was a great lesson. It really was. If you missed it, go back and view it. It's our Wednesday night live uh, Bible study from um, just last night, which was the 26th. Um, so what I'm going to present to you tonight, is going to be much more narrow. And um, it's right smack dab in the middle of that story. And it focuses on Peter's behavior. Um, in particular, and how that behavior was not acceptable to God. And um, that's where we want to kind of hone in on tonight. So let's go back to that story in Galatians and let's, let's look at what happened. And so this is Paul talking, and I'm going to start right from Galatians 2, uh, verse 1. And so it says, 14 years after that first visit, Barnabas and I went up to Jerusalem and took Titus with us. I went to clarify with them what had been revealed to me. At that time, I placed before them exactly what I was preaching to the non-Jews. So here you got the non-Jews and the Jews. And pretty much, obviously, anybody who wasn't a Jew was considered a Gentile. So I'm reading to you from the message. And so instead of instead of it saying Gentile, it's going to say the non-Jews, because that's pretty much what that means. <clears throat> so he says, um, let me go back again. It says, at that time, I placed before them exactly what I was preaching to the non-Jews. I did this in private with the leaders those held in esteem by the church so that our concern would not become a controversial public issue marked by ethnic tensions and exposing my years of work uh, to denigration and endangering my present ministry. So Paul said, I chose to be discreet. I want to put my ministry in jeopardy here. Significantly, Titus, non-Jewish though he was, was not required to be circumcised. While we were in conference, we were infiltrated by spies pretending to be Christians who slipped in to find out just how free true Christians are. That's an interesting statement. Their ulterior motive was to reduce us to their brand of servitude. We didn't give them the time of day. We were determined to preserve the truth of the message for you. As for those who were considered important in the church, that reputation doesn't concern me. God isn't impressed with mere appearances, and neither am I. 
And of course, these leaders were able to add nothing to the message I had been preaching. It was soon evident that God had entrusted me with the same message to the non-Jews as Peter had been preaching to the Jews. Recognizing that my calling had been given uh, by God, James, Peter, and John, the pillars of the church. So note that James, Peter, who we're going to focus on tonight, were considered pillars of the church, shook hands with me and Barnabas, assigning us to a ministry to the non-Jews while they continued to be responsible for reaching out to the Jews. The only additional thing they asked was that we remember the poor, and I was already eager to do that. Later, when Peter came to Antioch, I had a face-to-face confrontation with him because he was clearly out of line. So the same Peter, who was considered to be a pillar of the church, Paul said, I had a face-to-face confrontation with him because he was clearly out of line. Here's the situation. Earlier, before certain persons had come from James, Peter regularly ate with the non-Jews. But when the conservative group from Jerusalem Uh, Sorry, but when that conservative group came from Jerusalem, he cautiously pulled back and put as much distance as he could between himself and his non-Jewish friends. Let me put that in current vernacular. He got new. Before these conservative Jews came, Peter was fine hanging with these non-Jews. But when they showed up, he got new, act like he didn't know them. That's how fearful he was. Note that word fearful. We're going to talk about that a little bit later. That's how fearful he was of the conservative Jewish clique that's been pushing the old system of circumcision. Unfortunately, the rest of the Jews in Antioch church, in the Antioch church, join in with that hypocrisy so that even Barnabas was swept away with the charade. So Peter was not behaving himself. He was not acting in a manner that, well, he wasn't being true to who he was. And he definitely wasn't being true to to, to uh, what God wanted. And uh, and so not only did that cause a problem for him, but that also caused other folks to kind of, as you mentioned here, other Jews in Antioch church to join in that hypocrisy. They pulled back also. Um, and even Barnabas, as he mentioned, was, was, was kind of carried away with that charade. In other words, they were faking. They were not being authentic. And verse 14 picks up and says, but when I saw that they were not maintaining a steady, straight course according to the message, I spoke up to Peter in front of them all. Now, I'll tell you a little bit of lesson here. Uh, and and I, I've learned this from Elder Beersley and from Stephen Beersley. When you screw up in front of all, you got to make it right in front of all. So Peter says, since you, I, I guess this was Paul's logic, that because Peter showed off and, and, and did this, um, this ungodly behavior in front of them all, then he would deal with him in front of them all. He wanted to set the record straight. And so if you, a Jew, live like a non-Jew, this is what he said to Peter, when you're not being observed by the watchdogs from Jerusalem, what right do you have to require non-Jews to conform to Jewish customs just to make a favorable impression on your old Jerusalem buddies? (laughs) So Paul is hot. And he just called him out. And I'm sure Peter was probably pretty embarrassed. Um, but in this series, <clears throat> um, remember, we're talking about salvation being a process. We're not instantaneously made perfect. Uh, so in this story, 
we find Peter in a situation that many of us, if we're honest, have found ourselves in. Peter has been born and raised a Jew and has been taught to think about Jews and non-Jews in a certain way. Jews were holy and clean and right. Non-Jews were ungodly, unclean, and outright sinners. You know, so they had that us and them mentality. I want you to follow me here, right? The us and them mentality. So I'm going to use Americans as an example here. I'm pretty sure lots of ethnicities and, and cultures have these, have similar uh, differences. But I'm going to use, since I'm an American, I'm going to use an example of, uh, of Americans. So as Americans, one of our main differences that we struggle with is not so much religion, but race. Overall, the majority see themselves as superior and the minority should be honored to be in their world. Many of the majority have come to know that that's a bunch of hollabaloo and have genuine relationships with those of various races, right? Many of the majority have, don't have time for that, got past that. But then there are some, well, like Peter, who will only hang with those of the minority when other, I'm going to call them non-enlightened of the majority are not around, right? They only hang with you when those who would judge them, those who feel superior are not around. When the uppity ones show up, they get ghosts, they disappear. And truth be told, that works the other way around too, right? That, that really does work both ways. And so I hope you followed all that. If not, you can play this again later and, and, and see if you can follow uh, where I'm going with that. But a lot of us struggle with what I'm going to call that bigotry of some sort. And bigotry, let me just read you that definition so we can have that going clear. So we can have that clear going forward. But bigotry is defined as obstinate or unreasonable attachment to a belief, an opinion or faction. In particular, prejudice against a person or people on the basis of their membership to a particular group. All right. So here we have that us and them language I'm talking about, right? When you when you when you got a you have a bias, when you have a prejudice against a certain group um, of, of people. And at first glance, that, that it appears that that's what Peter was was dealing with. He was dealing with his own bigotry. Um, he didn't want to be seen with this particular group. He didn't want to be seen uh, with these Gentiles. But I don't know. I got a little bit of opinion as I, I a little bit of a different opinion as I studied this out a little bit. I, I think Peter really was okay. Notice I said I think that's my opinion. I think he was really okay with the Gentiles. Um, Paul even said himself, for he ate regularly with them before these others, I'll say the, the uppity Jews showed up. And um, so I personally think he got caught up in the peer pressure. Right. Uh, when those more conservative Jews showed up, as the message put it, and this um, this distancing himself. As I as I thought about this lesson, I thought, wait a minute, that sounds familiar. You know, Peter distancing himself uh, kind of seems to be his M.O. You know, remember when Jesus was arrested? Now, that seems like a long time ago from this story that we're on now. Right. But let's go back pre-crucifixion. And you remember when Jesus was arrested and that damsel accused Peter being one of his disciples and Peter was afraid. Remember that that word was used here again, that he was afraid of, of those 
um, who would insist on circumcision. But yeah, he was afraid and he denied Jesus. I'm not one of his disciples. I don't even know him. Right. So that seems to be um, Peter's go to mode when when he's afraid. Well, anyway, that's my two cents. That's what I, that's what I think it really was. Oh, but that's neither here nor there. The fact is, he didn't behave himself right. That he did get shady when those conservative Jews showed up and 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 distanced himself from the Gentiles who had been he probably been eating ham sandwiches with all week long. <laughs> Thought that was kind of funny. Oh, uh, anyway, but are we surprised at Peter's behavior? Right, we read this and you know those those words like bigotry and 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 racism and those kind of things. Those 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 are uh, explosive words and and. Uh, you know, does that surprise us, though? I mean, think about it. After all, wasn't Peter one of the apostles who literally walked with Jesus? Yeah, he even walked with him on water. That's pretty cool, right? And wasn't he the one who so emphatically answered, you are the Christ? When Jesus asked, who do you say that I am? Peter Peter was in the upper room, for goodness sake, when God poured out his spirit on the day of Pentecost. He preached the sermon of all sermons. Mm -hmm. He called out his fellow Jews uh, for not recognizing that Jesus was the Messiah. And he indicted them under the powerful anointing of God. You crucified him. He didn't seem very fearless then, did he? He called those Jews out. You crucified Jesus. And he didn't care what they thought about him. Well, yeah, that was the same Peter. Well, before we get all outraged about Peter, uh, think with me, church, to when you took those initial steps to being born again. God comes into our lives and he extends to us this great invitation to be his and we accept. We're so excited. We accept. We repent of our sins and are baptized in Jesus' name and receive the Holy Spirit, and then what? Truthfully, all is perfect, right? And that, 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 yeah, that's what I remember. Yeah, all is perfect. Hmm. You never committed another sin since, right? Hmm. Not so much. No, you and I both know that is not true. No, but rather the transformation process began. That's what happened after we took those initial steps. The process of transformation began. You are a new creature, right? The scripture said that, that when we, we're born again, we become a new creature. You are forgiven. You are added to the kingdom, to borrow from the language that's at the, at the end of uh, Acts chapter 2. Right, that we are added to the kingdom when we take those steps. But God's work has begun in you. It has not finished. His work has begun. It has not finished. This same Paul, the same Paul who called out Peter, wrote in Philippians 1 and 6. He says, and I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. And you ought to be saying, whew, 
right? Some of you who might have been misguided and you thought, man, you know, when I'm born again, you know, I'm supposed to be perfect. And you've been beating yourself out, uh, beating yourself up about your constant failings and falling shorts. And, you know, you're thinking something is wrong with you, but surely I've been filled with the Holy Ghost. And why is it I can't stop doing this? Or stop doing that, Or, you know, or why am I still struggling with that? It's been years later. I mean, I hope you got a whew moment right there when I read that. He said that God, whose work, um, God who began a good work within you will continue. That's a process. When you say the word continue, his work in you until he, until he is finished on the day when Christ returns. It is a process that's not going to finish until Christ returns. So why is it so hard for us to admit that we still struggle even though we've been born again? The Bible is uh, is full of texts and stories that tell us to expect that, right? I mean, this that, that that give us the tools to deal with our sinful nature until Christ comes. Okay, the same Paul who called Peter out is the same one who wrote in Romans seven, right? He talked about that battle of the flesh, you know, and and, and it ends it, you know, that that whole you know, montage that he goes in, he goes, no, oh, wretched man that I am, because he's talking about, you know, when he wants to do right, he finds himself doing wrong. And when he, when he, you know, he's doing wrong, he wants to be right. And he's talking about this, this flesh, this battle that we want to have as long as we're in these human bodies. And he's talking about how much of a struggle it is. It's not a cakewalk since he came to Christ. Yes, he had been filled. Yes, he had been baptized. Yes, he had repented of his sins, but he still had to deal with his flesh. So this is the same Paul who, who's calling Peter. I, I, I'm, this message tonight, I hope, is, is reassuring to you, is comforting to you. You know, not that, again, we should ever make peace, peace with sin. Please don't uh, take this message out of context. Not ever saying, oh, boy, it's okay to sin because, you know, Christ hasn't come back yet. Not what I'm saying at all. But I'm just giving you examples of stories in the Bible and, and scriptures that, that talk about, you know, uh, this very predicament we find ourselves in, this this imperfectness that continues even after those initial steps to salvation. No, we are to continually to pursue holiness and to make a concerted effort to avoid sin. But when we sin, right, then we're to repent. Do better next time. Do better when you face whatever that situation is that you failed the last time. Repent. That's It's a gift. Stay in the battle. Fight the good fight, like Paul said when he was approaching the end of his life. But don't give up. Don't ever give up because you aren't the person that somebody thinks you should be. Right? You're allowed to grow. You're allowed to be in process. Right? Your father in heaven knows. He knows uh, what he's doing in your life. It might look very differently than what he's doing in mine. Right? But keep giving him access. Yes, he's going to finish the work that he begun. So long as you give him access and allow him to keep working on you. Let me tell you something about Peter. As far as we can tell in the scriptures, Peter stayed in the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he had that little issue with Paul and, and he had other failings. In fact, he had many failings before and after he was saved, to use that vernacular. Right. Um, but, you know, he stayed in the game. He won some and he lost some, but he stayed in. And he had to deal with his flesh and that old sinful nature. And he had to grow. Even as he taught others, he himself had to be taught. That's the case with all of us. 
right? We're all learning and growing and, 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 and again, at different paces and different stages in our life, but we're all learning and growing. If you ever stop learning, well, you might, you're probably dead uh, or, you, or you might as well be that. We all have to learn and grow. And, and, and again, each one of us has our unique situation that God is working on. It's a process. So don't look at somebody else's life um, and compare yourself to them because we all come from different places and have different situations and, and just allow God to keep working on you. Yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing Peter one day. Yeah. I think he's in heaven. That's my opinion. It wasn't a, wasn't a breaker. In fact, my goodness, if, if we were done, in other words, if we sinned or we did something wrong after we were baptized and filled, well, there'd be nobody in heaven, right? It, you know, God's work would be in vain, but no, he made it a process. Something very different than what man tries to make it. Okay? It is a process and God's okay with that. So long as you are staying true and you're allowing him and you're, you're using the tools. I call that tools when you, when you follow his word that he's given you to make it in this life. Right? He's working on us like a master craftsman. God is a master craftsman. He truly is. And he's restoring us bit by bit. And I don't know about you, but I'm thankful for his grace. Salvation is a process. Allow yourself to go through it. Allow God to work on you. Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for your word this night. God, we thank you, Lord, for your patience, for your long suffering. We thank you, Lord, for working in our hearts, oh God, for pulling out the stuff that doesn't belong and putting in the good stuff that does belong and, and growing us and, and uh, helping us along uh, until we get to heaven. We Trust your word, Lord Jesus, that yes, the work that you've begun in us, that you will finish and that we will see you face to face one day, Lord Jesus. And all of this struggle will be no more, God, that we can be with you. But in this life, we thank you that you will walk with us and that you are our helper and our craftsman, oh God. Do your work in our lives, Lord Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, don't forget, go to NewarkUPC.info um, for all things Newark. And uh, let me remind you that this time, uh, ooh, next Wednesday, June 2nd, we'll, we will have a duly called business meeting that will meet on Zoom. It's the same information that you use to join your small group. All the small groups use the same Zoom information. And so we just hijacked that information and made it the same information for this duly called business meeting. Okay, so it's the same info. So just log in next Wednesday at 7 p.m. We will replace our normal um, Wednesday night live Bible study with this duty called business meeting. We need to discuss our, our parking lot and uh, please make whatever arrangements you need to make to be there. It's important uh, that you hear what's going to be said and that you have the opportunity to provide your feedback and, and, and your input. Well, good night and God bless you all. And uh, we will see you again here tomorrow night at 7 p.m. Stay tuned for a quick ad from uh, about children and youth. Stay tuned.